Globally, 43% of candidates drop out of an interview process due to scheduling frustrations. Interview scheduling is one of the biggest pain points in recruiting, with all that back and forth creating the potential for a very poor candidate experience. This episode of the Recruiting Future podcast is sponsored by Chronify, the scheduling platform for business, HR and recruiting professionals. The Chronify scheduler makes scheduling interviews easy. It saves you time, allowing you to stay in complete control of your schedule while offering personalised interview slots. Don't let impersonal and lengthy interview scheduling stop you from acquiring top talent. Visit chronify.com to find out more. And Chronify is spelt C-R-O-N-O-F-Y. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 349 of the Recruiting Future podcast. As the adoption and sophistication of recruiting automation gathers pace, it's essential to understand its constituent parts and the advantages and disadvantages of automating specific recruiting processes. One area of the recruiting experience that doesn't get much attention is interview scheduling. A recently published research report from Chronify has shed new light on the impact interview scheduling has on the candidate experience. I wanted to explore this in more detail. So with that in mind, this episode has a bit of a different format. My first guest is Adam Bird, CEO of Chronify, to talk us through the report's findings. I then expand out the conversation and bring in talent acquisition leaders Izzy Hung, Global Executive Hiring Lead at Forge Rock, and Ben Gledhill, Head of Resourcing at Thames Water, to get their thoughts on interview scheduling and recruitment automation in general. Hi, Adam, and welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Matt. An absolute pleasure to have you on the show again. Could you just introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Thanks, Matt. Yes, I'm CEO and co-founder of Chronify. Uh, We're a a scheduling technology company. Uh, So we power scheduling uh, in all sorts of uh, software for all all sorts of business. Uh, We do an awful lot of work with interview scheduling, as I'm sure you you can imagine. So working with some of the the, the top vendors in the space, um, uh, helping them deliver interview scheduling as part of their recruitment software workflows. Fantastic stuff. Now, you've just done a really interesting piece of research. And I think it's particularly interesting because I've not seen anyone do research into the effect on the candidate experience of um, how companies go about scheduling interviews. Tell us a, a little bit about the report, what it what it covers and how you produced it. Yeah, so as, as you say, there's been a, a lot of focus on the uh, recruiter uh, or the hiring manager and the kind of impact on technology and supporting supporting their role. And I, I, and I guess this, this kind of makes sense because they're ultimately the buyer of, of, of the these tools. But, but when we started to try and understand, okay, how does the digital automation, uh, the kind of recruiting workflows, the, the technology, how do they help the candidate? We couldn't find any research at all, frankly. So we thought, well, let, let, let's find out. And so what we did is we, uh, we worked with a research firm and we, uh, we questioned six and a half thousand people who'd had job interviews over the last 12 months. Definitely an interesting 12 months to do the, um, the survey over. 
But it, it, what was important to us as well, though, because we're an international company, so we have, we have uh, customers across the US, Europe, Australia, um, the Far East. And it's really tr- trying to get a feel, certainly, uh, uh, in for us, kind of Western Europe and, and America, how different candidates experience interviewing in different territories. So those 6,500 uh, candidates were across the US, Germany, France, and the UK. And, uh, and uh, But also importantly, trying to get a, a feel for the different seniority and how uh, the different levels of job roles would perhaps impact the way people think about their, their interviewing experience. So yeah, the team worked long and hard to craft a set of questions and find a set of people. And uh, w- we put it out there and some interesting, interesting results, perhaps, perhaps more impactful than we probably imagined. Talk us through those results. What, what were the key findings from from the research? Well, uh, I, I guess the, there was the kind of the the specifics around interview scheduling. So, for example, fifty one percent of U.S. candidates had dropped out of a hiring process due to frustrations with scheduling an interview, uh, and so and that skewed more to senior roles, absolutely, uh, and. Actually, there was more of a, uh, a, a gender difference as well. So um, skewed more female where you know, time is important. And if you as a prospective employer are going to essentially waste my time, uh, why should I pr- proceed with you? Um, if, interesting enough, and I, I guess the, what came out of it, it, kind of beyond what we were expecting, is 77% of candidates globally said that the recruitment process affected their perception of the employer and, and you know, the, the interview scheduling being a, a, a key part of that. And this kind of linking, not just saving time on both sides, but this kind of holistic view of actually this is what you're doing is you're presenting your company to a candidate. And if you're putting friction in the way of doing that, you're giving them a, uh, it may be an accurate impression, but it may not be the impression that you want to give them of, of, of your organization. And so, for example, in the US, uh, 40% of, uh, of candidates wanted to see more automation interview scheduling. So I, I, I think we live in a world where, and accelerated over the last 12 months, certainly, where services like Calendly, you know, people have become more comfortable with the, with the idea that I can expose some of my calendar to someone to, to book in. And Calendly are good for certain situations, but they're not necessarily, it's not necessarily a good service for interview scheduling because it loses a load of context. You can't do so complicated things like panel interviews. You can't do complicated things like having people in a sequence of interviews. So we see customers who are doing um, three-part interviews uh, with candidates. Maybe they're a, a technical role. They'll do a sort of coding exercise, a, a work history exercise, and a, and a culture fit exercise. And they need to schedule that for the candidate. So I, I think for, for us, this how interconnected interview scheduling was with the entire hiring experience was, you know, we could anecdotally talk about it and we believed it, but actually now we have the evidence from the market that this is a fundamental part of the employer proposition when you're, 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 you're talking with a candidate. And, and the costs of that are in the highs you're going to make. And, you know, and frankly, as employers, it's especially tough hiring at the minute. You know, the, whilst the number of roles have gone up, the number of candidates I don't think necessarily have. And so 
as an employer, you want to hire the best people. And because those, those best people are the next level of best people to join them, you need to make sure that you're giving those people the best possible experience. And that sort of brings me on to my, my next question, which is, were these results what you expected to see from the experience that you have of, of working in this, in this space? Or were they, were they a surprise or were they kind of in line with, um, they're, they're, they're kind of in line with your expectations? We're in the business of interview sch- of scheduling because we believe it's a big problem. And so you know, my, my whole motivation for starting the business and, and doing this is I, f- I believed it was a problem. So, but what I what we're seeing now is we really have the the evidence uh, to to back that up. So, um, you know, if, if you're saying fifty four percent of uh, of senior UK candidates are frustrated by scheduling delays, that impacts a lot of roles and a, 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 a lot of organisations. And if you if there are interview scheduling delays, sixty four percent of candidates were saying they were less likely to engage or, or recommend you in the future. I, I, that's super important for for employers. So really, it, it adds. We had the belief. Now we have the evidence. Absolutely. And and whilst there are some regional differences, and you, I, I think the um, Europeans are are more comfortable with delays than uh, the US counterparts. Fundamentally, everyone expects these these things to be done efficiently, quickly, because. When you're when you're uh, you're uh, interviewing for a role, you generally have another job at the same time, and you've got to fit around your life. And I think in many ways, people's lives have become more complicated. So, with the idea that we're kind of we're now working, you know, we may be moving to a more kind of hybrid working environment. Actually, our personal schedules are going to have far more impact uh, on our on our work lives than they had before. We're going to move away from this delineation of right from nine to five, nine to six, Monday to Friday. I'm just working, and therefore my personal life doesn't impact me. Actually, I'm going to be you know, doing school pickup, doing the football run, doing the cello practice, doing you know, the family things. I'll be fitting around my work because. The very nature of working remotely and working in a hybrid organization forces management to become a kind of more outcome driven approach, and therefore everything should be more more flexible and more uh, and, and more asynchronous so this is a for me this is a real bellwether of where work is going and the kind of approach we have to take to work in general i'm going to expand the the conversation out and um, bring in two um, talent acquisition uh, leaders to, to to kind of give us their view on the report on scheduling and uh, on automation in in general so delighted to welcome Ben and Izzy back to the back to the show and I'll just ask them to introduce themselves so Izzy you can go first introduce yourself and tell us what you do hi I am Izzy um, I have been in talent acquisition for God knows how long <laughs> I uh, don't want to say, uh, but seen many uh, different ways of scheduling, uh, both uh, using you know people and processes as well as automation and a combination of the two. I'm currently in, I've been in the exec space uh, probably for the last three or four years. So interested to see how this might fit. Uh, and I think it's a, an interesting argument in terms of what levels do you apply this to, if any, or all. Uh, so, yes, um, been in this space a long time. Thank you. Fantastic stuff. Uh, ben, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Yeah, morning, everyone. So my name is Ben Gladhill. Um, I'm currently head of resource in at Thames Water. 16 years and counting. Um, years of experience in TA, man and boy. 
Um, and obviously, you know, kind of, I've always been a little bit of a kind of a, a tech fan. So, you know, things like kind of um, automation and using technology as experience, it's, um, it's really interesting for me. So, yeah, great to be uh, here today. So, Ben, I'll ask you this um, question first, because um, you, you both had a chance to, to read the report. Did, did, did the findings surprise you or did they sort of confirm what you already knew or, or were already experiencing? Yeah, I think I think they, they it definitely confirmed what I was thinking, but not as without being negative, bad as it as bad as I thought it would be. You know, I mean, just looking at some of the. You know, the key things around the damage on employer branding, um, you know, the actual financial implications of not using things like automation, especially in the kind of interview scheduling space. And just the whole kind of um, impact of organisations not really reading the room in terms of, you know, making life easier for a candidate, whatever level it is, whatever role it is. Um, and just the kind of, you know, probably a bit of naivety from organisations where obviously, you know, kind of, we, you know, we have these massive ATS, CRM programs, um, employee branding programs, EVP, the list goes on. But something that, you know, people might think is quite small and admin-based, such as assessment scheduling, actually is having a massive detrimental impact. So, yeah, no, it was quite, uh, it's quite startling and eye-opening, really, to, to have a look at it. And, and Izzy, what did you what what did, what did you think? Was there anything that sort of stood out or su- surprised you? I don't think it surprised me. I think because if you think about your life generally, you know, you can book appointments with your dentist, with your doctor, with everything online. Um, so I think that uh, that's no surprise, yeah, because we want stuff at our fingertips for sure. Um, I think the surprise comes in in the exact space for me. Um, it would be great, right, to be able to schedule stuff at the drop of a hat and be able to see everyone's diaries. And I think, you know, having worked now in the, in the kind of Google Docs space, I can see the value of being able to see, you know, all of my company's diaries openly. Um, but I think the challenge definitely comes for me sitting in the exec space is when you've got diaries moving all the time, uh, particularly with kind of SVPs and the C-suite and above, uh, making time for those interviews isn't as easy to schedule in an online uh, environment unless they dedicate time to that. Um, I mean, for example, I'm trying to schedule stuff today and the PA is moving stuff around hour by hour. So I think that's where the challenge is. But I don't think it definitely doesn't surprise me. And I think it can only be beneficial for things like assessment centres, like volume recruitment, where there is no reason why that that scheduling can't be done in the same way as we book in a car or a a theatre ticket or anything else. Uh, so yes, I think it's great to see it down on paper. So I mean, you've you, you've worked obviously across lots of different levels in terms of the recruiting that, that you've done. Is is there a huge difference between um, the challenges that you have in scheduling different types of recruiting? Yes, I think so. Definitely, I think there becomes as it becomes more senior, it becomes more difficult to schedule. Um, and maybe it's also functionally aligned. You know, when you think of salespeople's diaries that move around, you know as I said, very, very frequently, I think that's harder. But I think from a functional perspective, you know, people who are more what would have been classed as office bound, uh, that may be more easy to do than it is for someone that is that's diary is shifting all the time. Ben, you've done um, your your organisation has done a huge amount of recruiting um, over the last uh, over the last 12, 12 months. How, how challenging is interview scheduling for you? 
Um, well, is that pre? Is that uh, pre or uh, during COVID? Um, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, going back to kind of is his point. You know, the the kind of. I'd say the challenges for us have been uh, the volume space. Obviously, you know, at Thames Water, we've been still hiring, I'd say, probably um, eight to 100, what I would call volume hires uh, a month, whether that's in the technician or customer um, service space. Obviously, um, further up uh, the ladder, obviously, kind of senior hires. You know, it's been really, really difficult to kind of get commitment from candidates, not from a... Um, not from a, oh, I can't get out of this work meeting, but just from a pure humanistic life, you know, element. Because obviously now there's been a lot of homeworking. Uh, people have been uh, looking after loved ones and children and other bits and pieces like that. So we, we've had to be a little bit more, and I, I will use the term humanistic in our approach. Um, so one thing that we've done, we've actually changed our application process now to actually include you know, very, very simply, what are the best times uh, if you, you know, that, that, that we can contact you or assess you? And obviously when we're, um, you know, kind of at vacancy briefing stage, you know, constantly working with hiring leads and hiring managers to reconfirm, okay, so you can do X, Y, Z, one, two, three. Um, so I think the the, the, the the basics of technology are there, i.e. the process. Um, so, you know, it's good to see that, you know, the potential is finally a good, you know, technology solution that we can use. And, and that does nicely bring me to um, my, my next question, which was about the, the implications of this is one part of the recruitment process that we're, that we're seeing automation finally, finally happening, which seems to be a, a, a kind of an overwhelmingly uh, positive thing. And we're seeing um, automation in other parts of the recruitment process as well. Um, Izzy, I know that you've done automation uh, projects in the past. What, what, what do you think the implications of automation are on for, for candidates and, and recruiters and hiring managers? So I can, you know, as far back as uh, I think of the Harrods days, so that was back in 2006, 2007, um, there was scheduling available. Uh, I remember having uh, a system, uh, I think it was iGrasp actually, uh, and they had the ability to put in dates and times and stuff, even back, that's, you know, over, you know, 15, 20, you know, 15 years ago kind of thing. Um, and it is exceptionally beneficial for busy recruiters if you know that you've got particular times in the day that you're going to interview. Um, I think it's incredibly uh, helpful, right? Um, we spend hours going backwards and forwards. Like I think you've got in the David Smith speaker, you know, speaker on people engagement and perform. And uh, there's lots of information in this report that you think, oh my God, how many emails do I send backwards and forwards? So I think from from where i sit it couldn't have come sooner i think that the it's not so much about is it the right thing to use i i think it's more about it's the integration people worry about it's actually can i get it get it through the it department where does it sit and i think that sounds like it's getting easier to do now with solutions such as this but i think that for me it's always been the challenge of uh, how do you get the systems to work effectively? And, and that I think people are nervous of doing that. So I'd be interested to hear more about how that works in today's world because I haven't implemented anything for about uh, 18 months. We'll come back and um, get Adam to, to comment on, on, on all of this in a, in a, in a second. But uh, before we do, Ben, you, your thoughts around recruiting automation, is it something that, that you're doing a lot of or that you're planning to, to do within the recruitment processes that you run? Yeah, definitely. So I was going to say, I, I knew there's a reason why I'm being as a get on. So um, I totally echo what Izzy said in terms of, you know, 
good good cheerleaders now need to be in, in, in my opinion very knowledgeable about tech and also very knowledgeable about automation not just in terms of how does it impact our tech stack but how does it impact wider organizational architecture as well so we um we in our first one months we went through a huge kind of transformation uh, program that i led at Tem. so now we have an onboarding platform and um, so the whole kind of uh, contract signature um pre-boarding lots of content all that is there now but we've uh, we've automated our faq process using a, a chatbot but we've also because uh, we, we want to ensure that that kind of you know onboarding obviously doesn't end at day one it outside that onboard is a continuous process so when people start we actually have a temp check chatbot as well so every uh, at a predefined date uh, we drop candidates a text message on new starters rather just to ask how they're feeling because then what we can do then we can get a real life temp check um, of how they're embedding in the organization and i guess we can kind of kill problems at source so for me i've always been a big big fan of automation because i think automation as in the consumer world and that's what we're always based ourselves on rightly or wrongly is automation can turn process into an experience um so yeah i think i think it's really important to understand why you're wanting to do it but understand the full kind of technical uh, implications if that makes sense absolutely no that makes that makes perfect sense but b- before i uh, kind of come back to adam to, to to sort of follow up on follow up on your, your on your points and uh, make some final points um I, I always ask people questions about the future so i can't um, um I, I can't finish talking to you without asking uh, um, a future-based question so where do you think this is all taking us? I mean, what 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 would you like to see um, in terms of automation in in the talent acquisition process in in a, in a few years' time? Is Izzy, where do you think we might get to? Oh my God, that's a big question. I think it's got to become a part of the everyday now and uh, here and now, especially for, you know, let's take it Zek out of the mix, right? Because I think that's a slightly different uh, approach because it's kind of a bit more high touch and a bit more complicated to do. But there is. I, I cannot see why this wouldn't be fully integrated within five years' time because everybody else is going to be going that way. I'm, you know, I would I would like to think that the way that you schedule in you schedule stuff in your own diaries, you know, when you go and look at each other's diaries internally, you you just go and book a meeting. Yeah, you don't even speak to that person, um, or you text them and you find it that way. So I I can't see any reason why this wouldn't be you know, in the mainstream within five years from now. And, and we'd be going, why did we do it any differently? <laughs> Quite frankly, I do think exec is a bit more challenging because it is high touch. Um, but for me, it depends on how technology evolves. And, and not only that, how behaviours of human beings evolve. Um, the younger generation, dare I say, or not necessarily younger generation, generations that are comfortable with tech, whether that be any age, will be asking, why can't I just do that? My, you know, I can do that with my friends, I can text people, but I, I do think that uh, we hopefully will be in a place where it will be the norm, would be my thought. And Ben, what, what's your vision for the, the, future of, the future of recruiting? What, 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 what's it going to look like? Are the machines taking over? Um, probably, without being too negative. I, I think... Um, I think technology will continue to drive the agenda, and I think that... Uh, you're probably going to get a lot more collaboration between 
don't know what do we call ourselves these days, TA, resourcing, people, talent, I always get confused. Um, probably going to get a lot more collaboration between ourselves and um, digital and uh, the technical elements of an organisation. So I think a chief people officer and a chief technical officer, if they're not already, will probably be one of the bigger partnerships because clearly, you know, people experience is driven by technology. Um, so I, I think I think it's here to stay. I think it will. I think it will be refined. I think again, it will follow more kind of e-commerce principles. But I think it will also probably start to become the norm. I think you probably see a lot of centres of excellence as well as having a, a team that looks after employer branding. You probably will have um, a team that looks after maybe automation or technology. So I think, as I said, you, you can't really hide from it. And I think the canny organizations that really know what they're doing that already probably two to three to five years down the line in terms of right where's the ATS going where's the CRM going where's an assessment platform going um, so yeah I, th- I think you see a mi- I think you see a, a mixture of your big kind of enterprise solutions with a continual use of kind of point solutions like uh, like Chronify. Adam, I'm going to um, bring you bring you back in for some for some closing thoughts. Um, for, first of all, um, give us your reaction to, to to what you just heard. There were some sort of interesting comments and questions about levels at which this automation could be used and and, and things like technical integration. I think it's certainly that kind of levels of automation. I, I, I'm a big advocate that it, uh, technology should facilitate these workflows, not necessarily completely automate them. Uh, and so there are there are times you know, recruiting is a person business, absolutely. And if you're if you're having your recruiters spending time doing admin, that's not high value time. But if you can kind of streamline that flow so they can focus on doing what they do best, which is identi- which is representing uh, the, the employer and understanding whether the candidates they're talking to are going to be the right fit for the role for the organization that's far more valuable on both sides and saves everyone every everyone time so so i think that's a key a key thing here i think people kind of get the idea that technology is replacing what people are doing and i am absolutely an advocate uh, despite being a a dynamical technologist that it should be augmenting uh, what people are doing and augmenting their ability to do the human part of, of of their role, which frankly machines can't do and won't be able to do for for a long time, if ever. I think uh, Izzy made a really good point around um, kind of IT, getting IT involved, and how do I kind of make this happen? And, and I think what's 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 happened over the last few years, uh, last five or so years, is. Programs like GDPR, so actually having legislation around protecting uh, people's private data, while on one side people, well, that's it's it's just more stuff I have to do. But I think what's important, it's given a framework around around how people should look look after and protect uh, employers' data, candidate data, especially. And so, therefore, if as a uh, as a provider of technology, you can assert that you know you're asserted uh, ISO 27001 and SOC 2 and all those kind of standards that you are actually protecting that data then that makes the conversation far easier with the IT team because they can say right okay I can now have confidence that this technical solution is not going to leak data 
And so therefore, actually, we can start to take advantage of the benefits that this software solution gives us. And I think you know, one of the benefits of being, uh, as we were till recently in the EU, is that we've been at the kind of at, at the vanguard of that legislation. If you look at what's happening in the US now, uh, so the California have started with the CCPA, but really they're looking to do a federal equivalent of GDPR because they recognize that actually you can't play fast and loose with candidate data. That's just not how it works. And so I, I think those conversations are becoming easier because of that framework. It's very easy to, to go to a, a IT and say, right, we have this vendor. This vendor has these, these assertions and these accreditations. Now can we take advantage of this, please? And I think kind of the last point I made, it's, it's, uh, we talk about, so Ben was talking about the kind of ATSs and the investments in the investments in technology. I think the last sort of 10, 15 years, if the world of SaaS, software as a service, the first phase of that was essentially replacing systems that you had on premise in, you know, in your company's IT room with uh, systems that are available in, on public cloud infrastructure. But really, these were kind of islands, and you kind of bought this solution, and you were you were only capable of de- delivering what this solution did. That was it. What, where that becomes challenging for organizations is if they're all using the same software that does all the same thing, how do they differentiate? And this, this pervades the entire stack of the organization in terms of not just hiring, but service delivery, product delivery, uh, learning development, kind of every aspect of the organization. If everyone's doing the same thing, there's no opportunity for, for differentiation. So the trend we're seeing now from a technology perspective is actually organizations where they would just they would buy rather than build software. Organizations are starting to kind of build again, but really build in a way that they're kind of using Lego kits to build and support workflows that work for them and the way their organization works. And so these larger vendors of, of technology and the, the, certainly the, the more agile up and coming vendors are designed to work with multiple multiple systems. And so therefore, you know, to Ben's point about kind of recruitment ops being a function, these, this, this, this idea that you have people who are kind of managing the technology stack upon, upon which recruitment and talent acquisition happens is going to be a, a really important role because you can start to orchestrate those flows even between different departments and make sure that the hiring managers and the recruiters have a flow that attracts the right type of candidate for them. So uh, for me, we're, we're kind of, we're moving into a new phase supported by both the privacy piece and the legislation. But bizarrely, I think it's driven more innovation and more comfort for people. But also people are saying, well, we've got this software in the cloud now. What happens if we start to connect it all together? And that that makes that makes absolute sense. As a as a final question, what would your advice be to em- employers in terms of how they should move forward, how they should be thinking about automation and technology, and and using that to to, to have happy candidates? Frankly, learn from candidates how how they f- they felt your hiring process went. Uh, and, and getting that kind of memory around that feedback loop with the people that have been through your hiring process, I think is super, super important. And, and, and probably the other side of things is, is probably not be too ambitious. Uh, try and find low hanging fruit, e- you know, easy bits of optimization. Maybe it's uh, kind of background check automation. Maybe it's CV parsing. Maybe it's, um, you know, a, uh, 
scheduling for assessment days, whatever, wherever you feel that the kind of the kind of lowest lowest cost to highest impact can be in your recruiting organization to start building that that kind of iterative approach to improving your workflow and seeing what works for you and your organization and the way your candidates react to, to you and and measure that so that feedback with the candidates but also looking for ways for, for measuring the impact on, on on your employer brand so keep it keep it simple and see what impact you can have that way. And then your entire organization starts to learn that, okay, well, the way we work is to constantly iterate on the technology stack that we have and the way we can improve this flow for our candidates and recruiters. Adam, Ben, and Izzy, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks, Matt. You're welcome. You're welcome. My thanks to Adam Bird, Izzy Hung, and Ben Gledhill. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. And on that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time. And I hope you'll join me. This is my show.